Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, September 12th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So it's kind of a, um, a difficult week last week with the Queen passing away. I mean, this is a you know pretty crazy time in, in England in general. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, there's no doubt. It's, it's, it's quite difficult right now in the UK, and it's a very, very sad loss um, yeah. for, for, for all of us, but especially those of us um, in, 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 in the UK. But yeah, we're talking... MBA admission, so I don't want to dwell on my right. personal. <laughs> my... You, you know, it. yeah, well, it's funny, though, because one of the things I was realizing is that um, London Business School sits on land that is owned by the Queen, and, and the building that they're in, the main building, I believe, is kind of in a perpetual free lease to the school, and so, that you know, they're definitely in mourning there. Um, we heard from some colleagues there. So, yeah, I was just thinking about it, and so there's a little bit of relevance to MBA stuff, given that I think the Queen actually was involved in the kind of creation of the two, the first two business schools in, um, in the United Kingdom with respect to Manchester and London Business yeah, School, yeah. so just kind of interesting. Yeah, very yeah. good. Um, she leaves a big legacy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so speaking of business schools, we're actually running a new survey on the website and we need help. So if you're listening to this podcast, we would love for you to fill out this little survey that we're running, which is basically, we want to know what you think of a whole bunch of different U S business schools in terms of their brand and academic strengths. And so it's a fun survey. You get to weigh in. You don't have to be an expert on the schools because we're really just trying to figure out what do you kind of know? Just, um, kind of you know, basic level knowledge as you enter the admissions process and are starting to apply to schools. So you can fill out the survey by going to bit.ly forward slash MBA brands. And that's all one word, all lowercase. So I'm really looking forward to see kind of just seeing like what the results are on that survey, but that's a new one we're running. Would really appreciate people filling it out. It really helps us to understand how candidates perceive these different schools in the marketplace. Is there a is there a bonus prize for? Oh yeah. <laughs> Usually yes. you, you have an incentive, Graham. Sorry, I'm totally yeah. So there is. So actually, we're giving away one two hundred dollar Amazon gift card, and then I think we're giving away like twenty uh, twenty five dollar Amazon gift cards as well. So there'll be like twenty one winners or whatever from who take the survey who get yeah some money to spend at Amazon. So yeah, take the survey. You might get a card. You know, usually the odds are pretty good because these aren't giant surveys that we run. Um, so yeah, give it a shot. That would be really helpful. And thanks for reminding me, <laughs> Alex, about the incentives. Um, let's talk about what's going on though. I mean, last week was a busy week for some deadlines, but I think we continue on this week, right? There's still more deadlines. And so do you want to run down some of what's going on? There's more deadlines over the next several weeks. Yeah. Certainly over the next um, couple of weeks, it's sort of M7, top 10, and then it drops down um, a tier or two. But um, this upcoming week, it's Stanford and Yale, Kellogg and Stern are the sort of big hitters with deadlines. And obviously, Columbia is a sort of open enrollment for their early decision deadline. So, right. um, so, so yeah, things are rolling along. Good. Um, and then the next thing will be interview invitations. And I want to jump the gun there, but I'm excited. I wanted to mention that we published a kind of um, uh, a chart that helps candidates understand which schools are doing interviews where, like which schools are, you know, still 100% virtual for interviews and which schools are, uh, you know, going to be, you know, allowing people to come to campus. And Alex, do you want to, what was the impetus for that? Because that was kind of an interesting thing. As you know, Graham, it was our webinar for <laughs> ClearMit Plus and a question that was asked and we didn't have the answer. Right. So um, we asked our colleague, um, Lauren, um, who's in charge of producing our content, 
um, if that's a piece that we could put together. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so we have that up on the site now if people are curious where they're going to get to interview on campus and where they're going to still be doing things virtually. Uh, it's interesting. There are not that many schools doing things in person still. So it's it's still a, a virtual, you know, virtual kind of dominates for now. Uh, the other big news or just kind of site news is that, you know, we continue to publish a lot of great content. I mean, I'm always just overwhelmed as we get back into the admission cycle here, how much stuff we're <laughs> putting out there. So we have another Real Humans piece about Cornell, their five students profile. Given that one of Cornell's essay questions requires you to kind of do some, you know, deep dive into the culture of the school and, and really understanding courses and everything else, this is kind of must read material if you're going to be applying to Cornell. So check that out on the site. Um, we also ran admissions director Q&As with Yale. Our friend Bruce Delmonico um, was the guest from Yale. He's the dean of admissions there. Uh, we checked in with Digo Malta, who's a, also a, a, a longtime uh, friend of the show and, and of Clear Admit, and he's the director of admissions at UT Austin McCombs. So we did an admissions director Q&A with him. And then uh, lastly, we also checked in with Betsy Ryan at Minnesota Carlson. So three new admissions director Q&As that people should be reading if they're interested in those programs. And then Alex, you and I, this has been something we've been kind of obsessing over, but we've continued to publish these class profiles as the schools kind of release data. And so we ran class profiles for both Columbia and Duke in the last week. And I have to say like a little bit, I'm a little bit frustrated because I just wish there was more consistency in the reporting from one school to the next. Like it's as a, as a numbers geek, like I do like, like to be able to compare apples to apples and sometimes the schools are just reporting different stuff. And so I know you and I've been talking about that, but let, let's dive in just briefly here, if you'll indulge me and I'll, I'll kind of give you some of the um, key stats for, let's start with Columbia, right? So Columbia has a uh, average GPA for the incoming class um, of 3.6. Um, the GMAT average is a 729. They do not report a GRE average, and they don't also tell us what percentage of the class took which test. So that's a little bit of a deviation from some other schools. The incoming class has 44% women, which is up 3% from last year. Uh, the incoming class is also 51% international, and that too is up about 3%. Their application volume was down 5%, so not down quite as much as some of the other schools that we've been reviewing, but still down. And then, you know, I just, I did a little bit of number crunching, and I'm not great at this, but I, I was kind of curious, like, what, what sort of differences we see between, you know, the class of 23 versus this class of, of 24. And basically, the class of 2023 at Columbia had an 18% acceptance rate. This class has a 22% acceptance rate, and I think it's because they had um, slightly fewer applicants, but they actually admitted more candidates this year than last year um, in order to bring in a class of a similar size. So I'll just stop there, but what do you make of these Columbia numbers? So they admitted more and have a smaller class size. No, the class size is actually the same this year, but they admitted more students to yield that class size. Yeah, so that's interesting because yeah. that again suggests to me less applicants in the pool applying to more top programs each. So that median number of schools that people are applying to, I think, has crept up um, um, this season um, and, and, and so forth. But the other interesting thing is I, it doesn't surprise me that Colombia sits at 51% international. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're in New York City. 
New York City is probably the, the, the biggest target city for international students Fair. across North America. So they have that luxury, I think, of, of being able to increase that international um, component without um, lowering quality. Um, so yeah. it doesn't surprise me they're able to, you know, a GMAT of, you know, 730 or plus or minus a point um, and so on and so forth. It's quite impressive that you can increase the, the female representation whilst also increasing the international yeah. um, representation. So that's actually quite impressive. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, not not bad, not yeah. bad. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, it's actually similar, I think with the women, I think some of it's New York as well, because New York's such a great destination. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I've heard schools say is that, you know, that New York has this advantage in that some of the women applying to business school, you know, have partners or spouses who have jobs um, and and that New York's an easier place to kind of convince someone to be to stay or to move to. Right. Because there's so much a, a kind of an abundance of offerings there. Right. So I think that helps as well in terms of their ability to attract women uh, in any event. Yeah. So that's their stats. Then we move over to Duke. Um, so Fuqua. They, so they don't, this is where I was getting to that apples to apples thing. They don't share an average GPA. So they just give the middle 80% and that's 3.1 to 3.9 in terms of the GPA. They do this. So it could be 3.2. Right. <laughs> it could be. Um, although, yeah, well, <laughs> the, the other thing be. is that it could, that, I, know, I mean, yeah. basically yeah. their GPAs could all be sitting at 3.1, 3.2, 3.3, 3.2, 3.1. And then they right. could have one 3.8. And right, that and would give that, them yeah. the ability to publish that range. So to me, this is ridiculous that a school can get away <laughs> with publishing only ranges and not either the median or the average. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Then they did the same thing for the GMAT. So the GMAT, middle 80%, again, 680 to 760. So the average um, could be 685. Yeah, it's possible. Although, and the other thing is, I looked at last year, and that those numbers both moved 10, 10 points in either direction. So I think last year was like six ninety to seven fifty. Yeah. So that yeah. so it's a widening, um, you know, kind of uh, whatever you would call it span. Uh, they did give, and this is um, let's see, no, they so they let's see, yeah, they gave an average for GRE. So even though they give this middle 80% for GMAT for the GRE, they just give an average. So I, I think that's kind of strange. Like why aren't they being consistent? But the number there was three. They're completely <laughs> cherry picking how they report data, which should not yeah. be, you just don't do that. Yeah. yeah I so don't three, get it. Yeah. <laughs> GRE is 317. That's the average. Which is crazy. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, just, yeah, it, it's definitely a little bit of an outlier compared to some of the peers. Um, they do have 48% women, which is unchanged from last year. And they have 52% international students. That's up 5% from the year prior. They did not report application volume. Um, so, you know, some schools do, some schools don't, uh, they did say that they have, let's see, last year's class was 447 students in terms of the size. And this year's class that's just joined is 399. So the class is a bit smaller this year. So again, that's 10 I 10% off. Yeah. So I think we're seeing, they must've had a decline in application volume, mm. which probably leads to the, you know, small, slightly smaller class size in order for them to maintain the stats, although we don't really know with the stats because of the ranges, you know, so it's a little, yeah. it's a little ambiguous all of it, but um, it is what it is. I mean, that percent women and in international is obviously very comparable to Columbia and, and other yeah. top programs. So, mm -hmm. um, so kudos for that. But I don't get this, this method of reporting. 
Yeah. Um, and having a 10% smaller class size, unless that was predetermined, i.e. that was a goal for, for them, which I, I don't yeah. remember hearing that at all, that's a big miss. Um, you know, in, just in terms of basic revenue for the school, the, you know, that's a big loss. The only thing that I wondered was, and I would need to do some digging on this, is I did wonder if the class prior was bigger because of some deferrals from COVID, and so maybe they did want to get... So I'd have to look historically yeah. at what size the class yeah. is. So we could, it could be that they always have about 400 and that they were over last year and they're coming back down, but I suspect it's probably a little mix of both. So yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, uh, let's see, one last housekeeping item, and then we can get into the candidates that you've selected for this week. Well, actually, I know there's one thing you want to talk about too. So we have a couple of things yeah. here, but the last thing I have was that this Wednesday at noon Eastern, I am going to emcee an online webinar with admissions directors from Berkeley, Yale, Chicago, Wharton, and Cornell. Um, and so really, really looking forward to that, um, to sitting down with these schools and, and talking about their essays. Um, that's all we're going to talk about is essay questions. And so if you're looking at these programs, definitely come on out. It's always a lot of fun to kind of pepper the <laughs> admissions folks with, with questions. And then each school does a breakout at the end where you can go in and hang out with their admissions director and, and ask your own questions. So coming out to that, you can sign up by going to bit.ly forward slash clear admit fall because these are our fall events and that's all one word all lowercase alex you had something you wanted to talk about before we do the candidates this week yeah yeah and just before we do that i think you have about 400 folks signed up for that event right so i think it's even um, more now yeah, yeah it's crazy yeah we always get a lot signups are still available so yeah these events are very popular um, yeah. But yes, so a question came up on Reddit, Graham. So when I'm not, not looking at ApplyWire or whatever, sometimes I'll bounce over to Reddit. And the question was, is, and I think it's a really interesting question that often, well, not often comes up, but from year to year, we tend to get a question similar to this. Um, if I've got a DUI, so, which is a criminal conviction, um, should they declare the DUI in their application, um, even if the school doesn't explicitly ask mm -hmm. um, um, for, for any sort of convictions and so on and so forth. What, what, should a, what should a candidate be doing in this case, Graham? Yeah, this is a tough one, because on the one hand, I would say, wow, if they're not asking you to report on any, you know, prior convictions or trouble with the law, then why would you go out and share it? On the other hand, you and I both know that when you get into a school, and actually applicants may not know this, but when you get in, most of the programs run background checks to just verify that you kind of are who you say you are. And so it'll come up then because part of the background check is going to be a, a criminal record check. They're going to verify your employment, your salary, dates of employment. Um, they'll verify your transcripts. So that there's a pretty thorough process, at least at some of the you know top schools, because they want to make sure they're getting the genuine article. And so I guess if you think about the fact that it could come out, maybe it's best to be out in front on it. I have to say, I mean, it's never, it's not good. I mean, you, no. you, you don't really want to have a DUI when you're applying to school because it suggests a, a lack of judgment or, you know, potentially a problem with alcohol. I mean, there's just, a, it sort of opens up a Pandora's box. So I, I mean, what would you do if, if a school's not asking? I mean, I think you declare it and you use the optional essay to address it because the, yeah. the thing is, if the school finds out through a background check, um, you have no recourse to sort of add the context or whatever. They're just going to have that knee-jerk reaction and say, well, there's a criminal conviction here. Um, that's a problem, so we're going to rescind the offer or something like that. Rather than if you declare it up front, 
Um, and maybe there's some mitigating circumstance and mm -hmm. hopefully there's a huge learning lesson and hopefully there's change in behavior as a result of this episode that has manifested in, you know, all the growth and everything that the candidate's gone through. So to me, it's probably something that you want to head out up front um, and sort of try to add the context and the learning. Um, yeah. And, you know, it then shows that you're being very sort of transparent and upfront about who you are and the mistakes you've made and, and how you've learned and grown. Yeah. I agree with you. It's never, never a good thing um, to have to deal with this. But if you deal with it and deal with it up front, I think um, you have a better um, ways to sort of mitigate, um, mitigate the issue. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I will say if something does come up in a background check that the school doesn't like, usually they will come to you first and say, so yeah. you might have a chance to yeah. speak to it, but I agree with you. I, I think you don't have a choice but to be out in front on it. Right. But I, I agree with that, Graham. They will get back to you and ask you about it. But they're going to be shocked. But yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's better that you bring it up yes. and add the, the context rather than you then having to be on the back foot yeah, totally. defending something. Yeah, could not agree more. So I, I think this is a really great question. I, I did want to say, you know, if people have questions like this, that maybe they don't even want to share on Reddit, like they can always just email us at info at clearedmit.com and we can then speak about it on the show in a very anonymous, you know, kind of way um, to get at it. But I, yeah, this is an interesting one. And you're right. It, kind of, it seems like it comes up every year because there are people who have DUIs and who want to go to business school. So yeah. So I, I agree though, get, stay out. You want to be on the front foot, not on the back foot on this type of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. And it might not be a DUI. There could be a lot, plenty of circumstance that you're worried about divulging. Um, but yeah. it's always better to be on the front foot, better to be transparent and open and show that learning, yeah. um, um, than, than, than running the risk of it coming back and biting you. Um, later in the admissions process. Yeah, couldn't agree more. All right. So uh, unless you have anything else, I suggest we get into our candidates for this week. Let's do it. Keep All right. on. <laughs> so this... <laughs> as, as, as the queen would yes. say, let's keep yeah. on. All right. So this is Wiretap's candidate number one. So this week's first candidate wants to start school, uh, I think, next year, although it's it's funny, they say 24 in their note, but I guess we'll talk about that. Um, they're currently working as an analyst, a risk analyst for a Fortune 50 bank. They want to pivot into either consulting or tech after business school, and the companies that they have on the target list are mostly consulting firms like Bain, BCG, Deloitte, Ernst & Young, McKinsey. Their GMAT score is a 690 and they have a GPA of 3.6. They've been working for four years, and they're located in the southeast of the United States. They do want to land, however, in New York City, and they're kind of curious about school recommendations, and as of now, the list of schools is uh, Carnegie Mellon, Cornell, Duke, Michigan, NYU, UT Austin, and Yale. So they have seven schools on the target list. And yeah, so I'll stop there. I mean, you had some conversation with this individual in terms of trying to help shape a school list. But even before we get into that, do you want to just speak to what you think of their candidacy? That, you know, 6936, four years in kind of banking, risk, risk analysis and stuff. But yeah, what do you make of this candidacy? I mean, you're at Wharton, Graham. Would, would, would this profile, like a risk analyst, would they, 
would, 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 would some of your classmates come from this sort of background? Yeah, there's definitely, a, yeah, there, there are folks working in this domain. I mean, it's not, you know, as common as like strategy consulting or investment banking, but there, there are people working in, yeah. yeah, there are a lot of, you know, I've had some classmates coming from like. Yeah, I, I, I only ask because, um, you know, they say they do plenty of volunteer work. Mm-hmm. So if they're doing volunteer work about stuff they're truly passionate about and they can that sort of resonates and they could talk about that in their, their application. If their work experience is good and they get strong recs that sort of um, corroborate that um, and, and so forth. Um, I, I think, you know, the target programs that they have listed, absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, Tepper, Cornell, um, Duke, Ross, and, and, and so on and so forth. That sort of top 16 to the edge of the top 16. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, and maybe their 690 is slightly lower than average, but um, we don't absolutely know that. I, I was just looking to see if Duke was on their list. It Duke is, yeah, is yeah. on their <laughs> list, and, and 690 is within their, their published range, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> so, um, so it could be the average. We're not sure about Duke. But anyway, uh, joking aside, um, um, my my sort of pushback with this candidacy is if they think that they can improve that test score, even if it's 20 or 30 points, but they think there's room for improvement, they really need to go all in and 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 do a second test. Because if, if this profile was 720, 730, 36 GPA, decent work experience, um, good volunteer experience, comes across as a really likable you know, good candidate, whatever, and, and so on and so forth. I think um, not only would they be well within range of these target programs, but they might even take a punt at um, a couple of M7 programs. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I know they don't want to retake the GMAT, um, and I know that their profile as it currently sits may be, um, make the current schools that they're targeting accessible. I'm not saying it won't, but I, I just think that they could, strengthen their chances of the programs they got listed with a slightly higher GMAT, but they could open up a whole new set of opportunity also. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, one of the things that um, you're speaking about their activities and your knowledge that they don't necessarily want to take the test again, you're just reminding me that, you know, the site has this feature where you, you can um, leave comments that are kind of direct messages. So I think this person kind of had a private conversation with you. Um, so that is a feature on the site. I don't yeah. know if everyone knows, is aware of that, but um, in any event, I guess, yeah, the, the thing that I worry about is I look at this list of schools and I look at the numbers and I'm like, yeah, they, they might get into some of them. Um, it's very possible, especially with a strong application. As you say, from the comments they left, they seem like a likable person and they, they have you know, a well-rounded candidacy with decent work experience and activities and stuff. But I also could see them striking out, you know, if, if things don't sort of work out. And so that's where, yeah, that GMAT score kind of looms large for me. I, it would be nice to see a slightly higher um, mark there. But, you know, it, yeah. And the other thing I was going to ask you is they want to land in New York City. Um, and so I, you know, I, I get Yale, I get Stern, uh, even Carnegie Mellon and, and Cornell, placing a lot of people into New York, but then they do have, you know, some other schools on the list, um, whether it's Michigan or UT Austin, um, you know, Duke. I mean, again, these schools all have, uh, you know, alumni bases in New York City, as does, you know, any kind of top school on earth, right? But I just wondered whether they, are they looking, because they're asking for recommendations on school selection and and things like that. So I just wondered, are they forgetting any schools? Should the list be, you know, shifted in any way? Or or do you think it's sort of a good 
a good setup here. Yeah, I mean, it does make you wonder, like UT Austin probably could be, um, you know, skipped in, in, in this regard. Um, and, and, you know, target one or two other programs that are a little bit more sort of in that mid-Atlantic and northeast region. Um, and yeah, that might then point again, if they had a higher GMAT, to a couple more, a couple of M7s into the mix, right? So you might be looking at Sloan, you might be looking at Columbia or, or, or Wharton or whatever um, in that mix. And there might be one or two in the top 16 um, that, that are also um, a, a, a better fit. Um, yeah. But, but, but yeah, if, if they want to be in New York City, Texas, a program based in Texas just makes it a little bit more difficult to get to New York City. And not only that, once you're in New York City, um, the value of that Texas um, network to sort of, you know, um, for, for, as you step along with your career is similarly going to be a little less valuable than the network mm-hmm. from, let's say, Stern or, or Yale or, or, or whatever. So certainly that's important to bear in mind in this case. Yeah. And I guess the other question would be, you know, like you were saying, are there schools um, on the East Coast that would be potentially better fits for network and things? I mean, I, I don't know. I was thinking actually about if they don't retake the GMAT, I wondered about Georgetown as a potential, you know, yeah. good, good, great yeah. brand, obviously on the East Coast and yeah. world over. And Georgetown makes more sense than than Austin, Maybe, yeah. and they they sit in that same tier, mm-hmm. right? So I think that that's a really good example. Yeah. So for that, this is for them to explore and get to know these schools and things and make yeah. that decision about the test. Obviously, yeah, if it were up to you and I, it sounds like we'd have them retake the test, maybe boost the score, and, and that would shape the school selection too. So they kind of need to figure this out. But again, everything does seem to line up pretty well. It's just that the scores, you know, whatever it is, 20 points light or, or something, right, for yeah. some of these schools. So. I mean, the key here is maybe they think that 690 is their maximum score. Yeah, it's possible. And I totally get mm-hmm. that and then run with it. Yeah. But if they think... There's a little bit of room for improvement because they could prep a little harder or they could have done something a little bit differently. Then to me, it's a, it's, you're not maximizing your effort across the entire application. It's kind of like you did a couple of drafts of your essays. Ah, they're good enough. I'm going to submit the application rather than making sure those essays really are um, you know, representing you as, as well as they can do, yeah. um, et cetera. So, so that's my point there. If they think there's room for improvement, they should do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, excellent advice. I want to thank them for sharing their profile and wish them the best of luck as they travel through the admissions uh, process here. Uh, let's move on. Yeah. And probably just one last yeah. thing, Graham. I don't think there's necessarily a rush to be in round one in this case. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not necessarily overrepresented. Um, so if, if that question is, well, I've got to get the apps in by, you know, certain September or October, split, split them round one and round two and go after a, a, a few programs in round two with, with a second GMAT score or something. Yeah, great. I mean, we're going to talk about that with another candidate. Absolutely. So, so that might be an option. Yeah, good point. Um, all right. So, yeah, I want to thank them again. And let's, let's move on, though, and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this candidate has eight schools on the target list. They're looking to go to school next fall, and the schools are Cornell, uh, Dartmouth, Duke, NYU, uh, Toronto, so Rotman, uh, UNC, Keenan-Flagler, McCombs at UT Austin, and then UVA, Darden. Uh, This candidate is interesting in that their career to date, for, for the last five years or so, has been as a corporate lawyer. 
and they want to pivot out of that and get into consulting after business school. They have a GMAT score of 710. Their GPA was an 80 out of 100, uh, which and now everyone probably knows that they're in India um, because the, the scale is out of 100 in India. Uh, they also have done hundreds of hours of volunteer work over the last five years and have a lot of leadership experience, um, is what they claim in their note. Uh, their long-term goal is to go back to India. So after doing some consulting, they want to go back to India and they'd love to start a nonprofit or a kind of social enterprise that relates to the cause that they've been volunteering with over the last five years. And, you know, they just mentioned they've been promoted early uh, and that they're mostly concerned about their GMAT at 710, given that they're in an overrepresented group as an Indian. So they're wondering about which round, round one, round two, and they're wondering about, you know, does that hurt their chances if they wait to round two, not only as an Indian, but also for scholarship dollars? So I'll turn it over to you, Alex. What, what do you make of this candidacy and, yeah, some of the answers to their questions? Yeah, I mean, I do think that, that there is going to be an incentive to be in round one for this candidate. And we went through some back and forth um, on apply wire. And it looks like they're going to split their apps between rounds one and round two. Yeah. Um, tried to get an improved GMAT um, in October. Um, and potentially then they could report their new GMAT score, if it's higher, obviously, to the schools they targeted in round one. If they can get that GMAT done prior to the interview invitation process, um, that, that would be advantageous too. Um, and so forth. So, so that seems to be what they're they're sort of targeting. What's what we don't know, Graham, and you, I know you would bring this up, so I'll just bring it up now anyway. Is the breakout of that GMAT um, because they're a lawyer? Sometimes there's speculation they don't have the quant chops yeah. in terms of their preparation for business school. So it would be good to know what the quant score on the GMAT is, because obviously that's a pretty good indicator of their sort of quant um, um, profile and, and so forth. So, um, I mean, at the end of the day, it, unfortunately, even though they're a corporate lawyer, which, which will sort of um, distinguish them and separate them a little bit from this overrepresented pool, they're still going to be in this overrepresented pool. Um, so... So, so that's the challenge that they have, and if they, you know, if they come back with a slight, you know, the higher GMAT, that's great. But round two is more challenging than round right. one, so that's the 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 issue that they face. That's why they've got to split their apps between round one and round two, um, and 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 so forth. They've done. It sounds like they've done a lot of volunteer work, um, which we really like. I, what I do like is. Their volunteer work ties to their long-term goal. They didn't reveal what this is, yeah. I, the, the nature of the volunteer work and the nature of the long-term goal. But I do like the idea that they're tied together. Yeah, agree. Um, so that's very good. Um, I'm not entirely sure I'm convinced they've done a lot of volunteer work because 200-plus hours over a, over a period of um, five years, um, five years um, is less than an hour right. a week. Um, so, <laughs> right. so, you know, keeping that in context, but doing something about which you're passionate that is also then tied to your long-term goal, that is something that can, it is very favorable. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, a potentially interesting candidate with an interesting dilemma 
in terms of the GMAT retake round one versus round two. Yeah. So I, I think you've done a great job of summarizing the, the key issues here. I, I want to add two things. One is just a comment about lawyers, which you knew I was going <laughs> to bring up, which is that, you know, I think on the whole admissions readers like lawyers because they're not super numerous in the applicant pool and they bring kind of a different perspective. They also usually have a really good kind of rationale for wanting to go to business school. And it usually goes, you know, something along the lines of, wow, I've been kind of enforcing the rules and regulations. I've been kind of a referee in the game that is business. Um, and I want to actually get on the field and play. And so I'm going to go to business school. So they usually can make a really clear, easy kind of case for the transition. But then as you also point out, lawyers are often scrutinized for whether or not they have those quantitative skills. And and so, yeah, I would love to know what's the um, quant score on the GMAT and, and also what was their undergraduate um, study around? I mean, was it just law or do they have a bunch of kind of quantitative coursework that they can point to? Because that's going to be a concern, right? So, right? so that's one thing. And that would be a, a relevant yeah. to any lawyer that's thinking about business school. It is interesting, this dilemma of like, are they Indian? Like, are they overrepresented as an Indian or underrepresented as a lawyer? It's probably a bit of both. And, and so applying across the two rounds makes sense to me. Um, I think, you know, they probably, if they're applying in round one, they may want to indicate in the optional essay that they're not satisfied with that GMAT score and that they have a new test that they're taking in October and that the score will be forthcoming. They'll, they'll provide it to the school. I, I think that makes sense, right? Wouldn't you want those schools to know that it's coming or would you kind of just wait until you take it and then tell them on the spot when you get the next result, risking that they're not going to wait for it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, they don't know that they're necessarily going to get a higher score. <laughs> right. They're hoping to. <laughs> um, so then they've got to go back to the school and say, actually, I've got a 690 in this second test. So um, deal with it as, as, as you may. So, so they run that risk. But if they think they've got, you know, they're going to get the highest score, it might be worth signaling. I mean, that I don't think they're overreaching with their target programs, quite frankly. Um, which is good, right? So, you know, they're looking again at top 16 um, to, you know, couple on the edge of that top 16. And then they sort of put Rotman in there too. So so they're not overreaching, I don't no. think. Um, I think they've been quite realistic and pragmatic with their choice of schools. Um, so, um, you know, 7, 10, the score, the score that they have, if it does show quant chops, might well be, um, good enough anyway in round one. That's why I'm not sure I would um, necessarily yeah. um, signal it. But yeah, I mean, they could do that. Yeah, you're kind of convincing me. Like, I feel like, yeah, maybe they go in with the 710 and then just if they get good news, send it in. By October, yeah. most of these schools will yeah. not have made a decision, as we know. So yeah, let's just see what happens. What do you think? What do you think of their, their, their not, it's not their avatar, but their, their username? Oh, okay. Well, wait a second. I didn't pay close attention to this, but it's, oh, alt. You usually tell me I know. about these alt things. MBA. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but isn't that, isn't that a type of program that you can study? Alt MBA? Isn't that the antithesis of taking, yeah. getting a <laughs> traditional yeah, MBA? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so I don't know. Sure. Yeah, well, they've they yeah. have earned a couple of likes already, so they're on their way. You know, people uh, on the site obviously, yeah. if people like your comments, you get points, as people maybe have noticed, and then eventually you get stars. So I think we're, you know, obviously, for people tuning in or applying this year, the more that you comment and get likes, the more you get stars, and we often introduce some rewards programs, so everyone can stay tuned <laughs> for that as we get into.
into the yeah. season here. But um, Alex, we're running long, so let's let's get into our final candidate for this week. If yeah. you this one will be <laughs> quick. All right. All right. So this is this candidate's already applied. <laughs> yes. So we have no advice for them, but we're just we're going to comment though. Um, resp- yeah. yeah exactly. All right. So this is Wiretap's candidate number three. Uh, it's a candidate that is uh, going to be starting in the fall of 23, or, or hopes to. Uh, they're applying just to three schools, and those schools are Harvard, Stanford, and Wharton, uh, often known as the Trilogy in our in our world. Uh, they've been working in uh, at Bain uh, in London uh, as a consultant, and after business school, uh, they're going to continue to do some consulting. It looks like again with Bain, I believe they're sponsored, and they ultimately want to get into venture capital. Their GMAT score is a whopping 760. They've got a perfect GPA of 4.0, and they have four years of work experience to date. As I mentioned, they're located in London. They're going to return to London after business school. Um, A couple of wrinkles, though. They mentioned that they are an Indian male uh, and a citizen of India, Um, but they've been working, I guess, in London. They have had a couple of promotions, one of which was accelerated. They also uh, already have a master's degree in finance from a top UK school. So let's assume that's like LSE or LBS or something. Uh, I mean, it could be somewhere else, but probably you know one of those top schools. And they did an undergraduate engineering degree uh, also in London. So while they are from India and they're an Indian citizen, all their education has been in the UK um, in both engineering and finance. And they mentioned they have strong extracurriculars at work and in their community. And they're wondering, you know, what are their chances? And will being an Indian male uh, hinder their candidacy in any way? Yeah, I mean, I, they've already applied. So they checked the one box, which is make sure you apply in round one as an overrepresented mm-hmm. um, candidate. I mean, their profile is pretty outstanding in terms of their numbers, 760, 4.0. They've got a master's degree probably from top universities um, and so forth. They're working for a blue chip company, Bain. They've obviously done very well there, a couple of promotions. They're working in the London office. Um, and, and obviously they're, they're um, academics from, from the UK. So there's lots and lots and lots of stuff to like. What really I do like, um, however, is the strong extracurriculars, not only at work, but in the community. We obviously, again, don't know what they are. But for a candidate like this, that's only targeting the very, very best programs, if everything else checks off very well, like it does for this candidate, oftentimes it's what they're doing outside of work mm-hmm. that's like, wow, that's really interesting. So if I knew what that was, that might might help a little bit. But I'd say they've got a pretty, pretty good chance at one of these top three. Um, and that's the only question they asked us. So that's all we got to answer, right, Greg? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, the only thing I do worry about sometimes is whenever I see someone only applying to these three, I just get nervous because I've seen many a candidate with perfect numbers and, a, you know, an otherwise kind of perfect profile, just yeah. not, I mean, you can strike out at the top three. I mean, there, it happens all the time, right? So I think, you know, obviously their odds at Wharton are greater than the other two because the admissions, you know, acceptance rates a little bit higher there. Uh, I, you know, I think they're going to get into one of them, I would hope, but it's not a guarantee. And so I, the other thing I, I just, I mean, not that the schools would know this, but whenever I see, see someone that's only applying to these three, I worry that they're kind of maybe kind of a rankings hound, you know, and I'm sort of like, they're going back to Bain. They want to get into VC. Aren't, are there any other schools that could help them to do this? You know, it's not like, 
um, they're using the MBA to completely pivot their career. I mean, they're sponsored, it sounds like, or at least they have a job waiting for them. Yeah. So, you know, they probably could have a really successful career and go to um, MIT or, you know, Kellogg or Chicago or any, or LBS, or LBS right? There are many yeah. schools that could help them in their career. And so obviously Harvard and Stanford are not going to ask them where else they've applied. Um, I mean, it could come up in an interview potentially, but it probably won't. And so they'll probably be able to steer clear of that. But I will say whenever you hear about a candidate that's just sort of has this obsession around the top three, you sometimes worry, what are they going to business school for? Is it just to sort of throw the brand on the resume yeah. or, or what? Because they would get a great education at any of those other programs I mentioned. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, it's not like I, you know, I went to Wharton, like I know the value of a top, top school, but I also, from being in this industry for so long, know that you know you can do some great things at these other programs too so we'll see i mean they're going to get word you know in the first round so they'll they could always pivot and, and you know apply in round two to some other schools but we'll see what they do i mean maybe they'd wait another year yeah i mean the the challenge there is because they're overrepresented yeah if they are looking at um, um the next tier down they need to do that in round one yeah it's tricky so I mean, is it H, you know, Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, or Bust? Do they have Plan B where the MBA um, it is not a consideration? Yeah. So if they don't get into the top three, um, it's perfectly fine. Bain will keep them on, and and every, everything's good in the long run. Um, so don't just think about the short short term goal, but in the long run, would having an MBA um, have have really um, been been helpful? Um, so, so yeah, that's my only concern here. It might well be that they've decided, or or they know that, with, you know, they they can, ha they have a very good alternative plan that doesn't include an MBA. Yeah. But if it is MBA or bust, they really need to get that Sloan app or 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 whatever it is into round one, and not wait till round two, where as an overrepresented candidate, yeah, things are a little bit more competitive. Now they might well still. Uh, be successful in M7 in round two or LBS in round two, but it's going to be a little bit more competitive. Yeah. That all said, there's lots of quality across the board in this county. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a, a really terrific county. Yeah. I, I would just say, again, I go back to what I said before, it's that the, the only issue is that really terrific candidates don't get into these three schools pretty routinely. So that that's the only thing I worry about. But I think, you know, look, if I were a betting man, I would say they're probably going to get into one. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But in any event, I do want to thank them for sharing, and, and hopefully they'll get good news in the form of some <laughs> interview invitations as we move into, the, you know, the later um, days of September and, and into October. So we'll stay tuned. Hopefully they'll keep us updated. I did like their username, which was Joe Blogs, which is a reference to um, the typical test taker, I think in the Princeton Reviews kind of study guides, they give give typical uh, GMAT test taker a name and it, the name is Joe Blogs. So um, kind of a um, <laughs> good... I you, you learn something new every every episode. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> um, all right, so we kind of went on really long today, but we had so many things to cover with these class profiles and, you know, all this stuff. But um, three great candidates. Appreciate you picking them out as always. And, yeah, we'll be back in one week's time to do it all again, Alex, all right? <laughs> Very good. Best luck, everyone. Take care.